We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia where this podcast was recorded as the first storytellers, the first communities and the first creators of Australian culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Hi there, I'm Daniel Moore and you're listening to Season 4 of the Hearing Architecture Podcast, proudly sponsored by Brickworks. In this episode, our host Karen Tuyot is interviewing architect Li Yang Yang, who is a registered architect and the 2023 WA Emerging Architect Prize winner working at Mode Design in WA. Yang talks about his journey in architecture through education and working in practice after moving to Perth from Malaysia and the importance of encouragement and recognition of emerging architects in the architecture profession. Let's jump in. Hello and welcome to Season 4 of Hearing Architecture. We're recording from Western Australia on the lands of the Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation. We would like to pay our respects to traditional custodians past, present and emerging. Today, we'll be exploring the topic around recognition of emerging architects. Recognition serves as a powerful tool to motivate, inspire and retain talented individuals in the architectural profession. This theme is essential for fostering a positive and supportive environment that nurtures the growth and development of emerging architects, encouraging them to excel in their careers. Acknowledging emerging architects is important to support their future growth, boost their confidence, and recognize their valuable contributions to the architectural community. We will also be looking at how, as architects, we can maintain continuous learning and growth in our careers, as well as instill this in upcoming generations, and how we can be of influence through mentorship and education for graduates coming into industry. Joining me today is Li Yang Yang, a senior project architect in Perth. Yang's career has displayed a diverse interest and engagement in the architecture profession. His commitment to the education and empowerment of young architects is displayed in his years of involvement with the Imagine program, where this year he is a co-chair president. Yang has continued to be involved in education, where he teaches and mentors architecture students at Curtin University. Having received this year's WA's chapter Emerging Architecture Prize, Yang portrays a desire to broaden the reach of architecture and architects beyond the profession, as well as his ability to see architecture as a diverse and multifaceted profession. Yang, would you like to tell us about your journey into architecture and what sparked your interest about the profession? Thanks, Karen. I always had a knack in drawing creativity when I was young. I used to draw buildings, you know, houses and cities when I was younger. And in addition to playing Legos, as we all do, I remember building castles and, you know, um, pyramids out of mahjong tiles and risk getting yelled at by relatives when they fell down and get lost. Um, interestingly, however, my family was from Borneo, Malaysia, and I was grew up there. I grew up there and we have no background in architecture. And at school, I was lucky to get a state scholarship to study whatever courses and what, wherever, wherever I wanted. It was really logical back then to study bachelor's in KL and then continue master's in Perth as a continuous study course to get registered in Malaysia. It's definitely a culture shock though. Um, so I quickly learned that, you know, it's quite a different culture and there's a lot of like sublime qualities in architecture that I learned, um, such as, you know, the sun, the horizon and the sunlight through architectural elements compared to grand gestures in Malaysia. It's definitely taken quite a turn because, you know, I've decided to stay in perfect practice since then. Yeah. 
seeing as you migrated here from Malaysia, how did you navigate networking and mentorship? Um, because it will probably be a bit different from Malaysia. So how did you navigate that? Yeah, as I mentioned um, before, as a pretty much you know first generation immigrant, I have no family here, no connections, um, not a lot of friends really. Um, it was really difficult back then. It's really jealous of people that already had friends and connections, and you know people that gave them a good start in the industry. Whereas after nobody, and social media back you know ten years ago weren't as big as today um, as it was. Um, it's only like Facebook, and there's not much Instagram going on. I remember trying to, you know, email everyone over 20 practices and, you know, walking into practices to get my foot into the door. Um, only Phil from Philips Desco Architecture was kind enough to reply and I have a chat with me back then. Phil was a really great mentor. He taught me how important it is to be kind to um, in architecture and to other people, um, no matter how, you know, um, uh, junior they are. I think the challenge is also um, then, um, suppose they taught me and while is it important to kind of join Imagine and now leading Imagine and looking back, I think it's really important to network and for students and graduates to kind of also gain awareness of the local practices and what they do and also, most importantly, help each other out. Yeah, I agree. And definitely in Perth, our industry is quite close-knit, so networking is very important. And um, what would you say as well helped you in terms of getting involved in competitions? Because seeing as we've worked together in the past as well in practice, you've been very proactive in joining design competitions. I'll mention a few like um, the sculptures, which are architectural experiments at Kotlo Sculptures by the Sea and the Frontier Row House that was awarded an honorable mention in the 2023 AA Unbuilt Prize. What would you say you've learned and continue to learn by participating in these competitions? I have to say that over the years, there are many competitions out there, especially there's online ones. Um, I think I think more and more one has to be really judicious about competitions. Uh, I think these days you have to weigh out the entry barrier. So a lot of them have entry fees and they're just ideas competitions overseas and versus what you will gain out of it, whether it is you know purely exposure or maybe just a chance for you to exercise your design skills beyond what you are doing. That said, these days, I'm less of a believer of like, you know, the Fountainhead, the movie, for example, the Howard Rock's um, singular architectural genius, independent architectural genius these days. And if you look at most of my competition these days, um, I do it in collaboration with others as I value diverse thoughts and ideas. For example, the sculpture by the sea, I've done it with my friend Kim, he's a scaffolder. Um, and then Frontier Row House, I've done it with two of my other friends. Um, you know, the competition space in Malaysia, so they have a uh, topical background to it as well. I think there's also an underrated value in every part and level of architecture. And for me, it's how do you pull these elements and ideas into a really coherent clarity and, you know, and also a memorable sort of um, project. It's you know, quite an interesting challenge, I believe, in competition. And the great thing about, you know, competition is that they allow you to push boundaries of architecture. Um, I think, you know, uh, for me personally, I often take in what is valuable of the existing site and the history and then I try to extrapolate you know whatever the future you know possibilities beyond that so you know there is in the project or in the competition would be there's a sense of like nostalgia and aspiration at the same time so a quick question for you Yang and Mylene by the way mm -hmm. it's two of us as one with Yang today mm -hmm. so you talked about competitions and kind of weighing out the entry barriers what um, how do you decide, because you obviously work 
full time as mm. well. Mm. How do you decide on what competitions to go for? I know you mentioned either going for exposure or kind of perhaps just an interesting brief or interesting premise uh, to the competitions, but there has been uh, discussions, I guess, in the architectural community about the unpaid nature of some competitions mm. with the architects basically getting to exercise their design flares but not really being compensated for it. How, what are your views on that? Yeah, I think it depends on whether you are doing competition as part of the practice or whether you are doing it, you know, individually. So if you're doing individually, it's important to kind of like um, get yourself on sort of like an awareness, not so much awareness of acknowledgement that you are doing the competition. I think that's really important so that you are not, you know, um, so that the practice or the bigger practice gain um, a certain sort of like um, uh, exploitation out of you. I think if you wanted an exposure, I think it's important to kind of like maintain that a little bit. Yeah. And also, you know, if you're doing competitions, whether for yourself, because there's you know, millions of competitions out there, maybe find ones that are locally relevant to yourself and then something that you are really passionate about. Thanks for that, Yeah. And also, I would like to know as well, in the architectural workforce, sometimes it can be quite like daunting maintaining that curiosity. And I guess tying into what you've said about getting involved in competitions. Are there other ways you think at a senior level and even for graduates coming up, how we can continue to maintain this curiosity and just being sort of explorative with the different avenues we can get into in architecture? I'd just like to know sort of what that would look like. Sure. I think um, I'm lucky that I have an interest in history. I think maybe everyone tries to maybe engage themselves into that and how things become the way they are, no matter how mundane. So um, I think that helps me maintain curiosity in architecture. I think there's always a story in every intention or rule or, you know, something that written down somewhere. I think it's important to kind of like understand what are they and ask what they're doing. And if you understand them, actually it makes things more interesting if you learn more about them. For example, in my early years, I often asked the questions like, you know, to the builder or to the tiler, why the tiles are like, you know, in 300 sizes or why timber starts are 600 centers and not 500, for example. And now I understand that it's actually a legacy of imperial units. And if you go back, there's actually a long history of imperial units going back to Roman and Greek times and also Anthropologies, you know, anthropological sort of like um, scale for human scales. That is quite interesting beyond just, you know, 300 and 600. And I often advocate of asking questions of, you know, why things are the way they are, you know, why specifications are written in a certain way, or why things are, you know, why rules are done in the first place in the bigger picture. For me right now, I think it's just try not to stop learning. I think there's always people that know more than you do. And it's important to kind of like learn from them and ask them how things are the way they are and how things are made and are built. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think with our profession, I think you learn quickly as you get in that you have to continue learning. And it's important as well, I think, that your work environment allows you to have that so that you can continue to grow and learn. And also, um, what would you think inspires your work as well? Because you do mentor as well through um, Imagine. So what inspires your work so that you can continue to mentor people as your way of approaching work? Okay, um, I think I used to admire old heroes, like old architectural heroes like Louis Kahn or Carlos Capa, and I still do. I collect a lot of, like, you know, out of print monographs in my library. Yeah. 
However, I think recently I gained more admiration for educators and social advocates, such as people like Cedric Price um, and Herman Hesberger. They are both educators that are really prominent. And even local mentors, uh, such as you know, Sandy Angie, which is going for the Lord Mayor in Perth soon. Uh, within these posts, I think I found interesting challenge of the role of being almost like an editor or activist or an architect. I think I straddle between the social advocacy and empowerment of the younger generation, but also editing multiple strains of architecture into the work, which is not for me. I think it's important. How do you maintain that to be coherently memorable and also, you know, striving for a certain kind of sublime beauty. And at the same time, you know, when you see works like Dewey Kahn and Hermann Hesberger, which is large and complex, you can see recurring architectural motifs and they're quite beautiful at the same time. But um, I wonder how can you do that? And uh, I'm curious, how do you do that with projects that are, you know, have multiple authors and stakeholders? I think it's also interesting that there's a lot of underlying architectural ideas champion social causes. And I think a lot of social architects and activist architects these days that, you know, um, they might not be obvious with their work, but I think they deserve more of a spotlight these days too. Yeah, I can acknowledge that as well, because I think we do see a lot of that in the learning space. And then as you progress into the workspace, it doesn't really translate that way. You sort of kind of quickly switch into being a very like practical architect, I would say, so to speak. So I think that's quite interesting that you tie those things. I also admire that you've got a lot of social advocacy and empowerment in um, the way that you've approached your career. So I'd like to know as well, in terms of empowerment with the next generation, you mentor through Imagine and you're the co-chair this year. How did you um, come to join Imagine and become an active participant to try and push for young graduates and giving them a voice mm-hmm. within our profession? Sure. I think the next generation you know, are the leaders of tomorrow. I think what is amazing about teaching in university is that I encourage students and allow themselves to think laterally beyond the fixed boundaries which sometimes the practice of architecture might be limiting in that manner. I often mentioned that the contribution of architecture might not be just seen in a year or two, but if you, you see the effects of it in decades of years to come. And I often explore that in my competitions and ask that my mentees and students as well. I think it's also important to note that architecture is a really long journey and that there is people behind you all the time when you move forward. That's why it's important to share your life experience and, you know, that's why I'm joining Imagine through the avenues of Imagine, give back and guide the younger generations and, you know, also pass you know, the stick beyond. Yeah. And I'd also encourage also being part of Imagine that it is good to join these non-for-profit organizations because you do meet a lot of people and you do sort of gain a community where you can support each other and sort of learn as well from other practices. I think it's quite important as well for us. And in the next 10 years, where do you see yourself within the industry? Obviously, there's a lot of trends happening that are changing. We've got AI coming up quite quickly. Um, How do you you see yourself within the next 10 years and obviously going through and managing the things like AI coming up? How do you see yourself maneuvering that? Yeah, okay. Um, I think, you know, you know, before the AI, I think my friends once described it as a super nerd architect. I think in some ways, um, in 10 years, I'll still be like that, really. I have all 10 of my fingers deep into architecture, but coming from a risk-averse family, you know, with no prior connections, really, I'm not as adventurous of like going into a full-fledged singular practice. But I try to, you know, contribute to the best I can. I hope to like, you know, still contribute to a significant project in the city or still experimenting with competitions. 
ideas and helping out with smaller projects. So yeah, with, with that, I think I often say I have a put eggs in many baskets approach. Yeah. I'm not sure it's, this is like quite true with others, but you know, I think this is for me, it's to remain flexible and agile so that I can quickly adapt to changes and disruptions in the industry. But, you know, with AI, for example, I think it's really important to have a really long view of architecture in the sense of what uh, potentially how that is being shifted and how you, you know, architects can shift that rather than, you know, the AI shifting the architecture. Last but not least, I think, you know, interesting, I, I think I would still try to give back to the younger generation through uni and through mentoring. And again, you know, they have laid um, the stepping stones before me. I think it's important for me to show the steps and works and also, you know, hopefully improve the architectural sentiment well, in any small way I can. Yeah. Thank you very much. And thanks for joining us today, Yan. And thank you for sharing your journey in architecture. It's been very interesting. Obviously, working with you, I know quite a bit about the work that you've done um, in Perth and WA in general. And we also hope that our listeners will be able to draw from experiences like this and be able to learn. And I hope as a community as well that we can continue to challenge ourselves and inspire young architects so that they can reach their full potential. This has been Hearing Architecture, proudly sponsored by Brickworks. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to our host, Karen Chuyot, and her guest, registered architect, Lee Yang Yang, who is a registered architect and the 2023 WA Emerging Architect Prize winner working at Mode Design. Thank you so much for sharing your stories about emerging in the profession and how younger architects can be supported. We can't wait to see more of your projects in the future. Our sponsor, Brickworks, also produce architecture podcasts hosted by Tim Ross. You can find The Art of Living, Architects Abroad and The Power of Two at brickworks.com.au or your favourite podcast platform. If you'd like to show your support, please rate, review and subscribe to Hearing Architecture in your favourite podcast app. If you want to know more about what the Australian Institute of Architects is doing to support architects and the community, please visit architecture.com.au. This is a production by the Australian Institute of Architects Emerging Architects and Graduates Network in collaboration with Open Creative Studio. The Institute production team was Madeline Jenkins and Claudia McCarthy. And the Imagine production team was Karen Chuyot and Daniel Moore. This content is brought to you by the Australian Institute of Architects Emerging Architects and Graduates Network in collaboration with Open Creative Studio. This content does not take into account specific circumstances and should not be relied on in that way. This content does not constitute legal, financial, insurance or other types of advice. You should seek independent verification or advice before relying on this content in circumstances where loss or damage may result. The Institute endeavours to publish content that is accurate at the time it is published, but does not accept responsibility for content that may or will become inaccurate over time.